So winter weather predictions in the UP, is it an art or a science? Today's topic is one that is top of mind for folks in the area and the number one question we're asked in conversations with alumni around the country. So how much snow do you have? Hi, I'm Brenda Rudiger, your host of Tomorrow Needs Tech, and I'm here with Michigan Tech University President Rick Kobeck. On this snowy day, we're joined by John D. John grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and earned a bachelor's degree in meteorology from Purdue University. After a year in Washington, D.C., working for the National Weather Service, he became a private meteorologist, providing custom weather forecasts for the past 28 years. John and his family relocated to the Keweenaw Peninsula in January of 1999, which he describes as basically ground zero for snowfall in the Midwest. So I'm curious, John, uh, what piqued your interest in meteorology and what makes you so good at predicting the weather? Oh, well, it's kind of an interesting story. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit I was not the best student, including, no. um, including dedication to studying. <laughs> And off I went to college, undecided. And uh, my guidance counselor there, and we were searching for some subjects. And she said, well, here's a meteorology. You know, what are you interested in? And I said, well, I love the weather. And um, so she set me up in this course, which was actually like dual level. It was only supposed to be for seniors and upper class and graduate students. And here I was a second year freshman. Um, but. I got the textbook in between semesters, read the whole thing cover to cover before the class even started, and then got into the course and scored the best scores the teachers ever had. In fact, he called me in after the first test because he thought I was cheating because not only did I get 100, I got all the extra credit points too. <laughs> I said, no, I just love it. Um, so that was pretty clear indication to me that, okay, this is not only do I love it, but I'm good at it too. and. Um, the rest is history. Thankfully, my first summer on the job, I knocked it out of the park. Um, my forecasts were head and shoulders better than what my competition was, so I made a name instantly for myself, and, and I didn't even really notice it was happening. It's just one of those things where I thought I was just doing my job. And, um, and then from there, things just grew and grew and grew. And then um, in 98, uh, the dynamics of things changed and the internet was blossoming. And um, I no longer needed to be in a company's offices as their in-house guy. So I could basically choose wherever I wanted to live. And there was no doubt in my mind that I was coming here, <laughs> not a doubt. So probably the snow was a big attraction. It was. It was. And the people. You know, it's a unique brand of people up here. I think you won't find, uh, you'll be hard-pressed to find the character of the people up here. Um, and that was a big draw, too. But yeah, the climate. Well, I couldn't agree more. So, Rick, um, I know many people warned you uh, that the winters were rough here. <laughs> but now that you're well into your second cold season, what do you make of it? So. The first winter was eye-opening, but I enjoyed it. And my family and I are enjoying the snow in the winter. It's funny sometimes when I, people ask me, how do I like the winter? And I say that I'm really enjoying it. You get a raised eyebrow as if that's not what you're supposed to say, but it's the truth. In fact, yesterday I was just telling my wife, I said, oh no, I'm afraid winter's half over already. And she didn't, she didn't take that so kindly, but it's the truth. There's so much to do here in the wintertime that it's almost endless. 
So I have to ask you, do you have a plow in the front of your truck? So I don't have a plow in the front of the truck, but I do have a snowblower on the back of the tractor. <laughs> Very well. It serves its job well. <laughs> That's great. So, John, you know, sometimes we hear that if the first week in August is unusually warm, the coming winter will be snow air long, or if a groundhog seeing its shadow, Im- that will impact when spring will arrive. Um, so what other weather folklore or superstitions um, have you heard? Um, red skies at night, sailor's delight, and Anything red based skies on in the morning. <laughs> no, you know what? Science. It's funny because... <laughs> There are, uh, nothing really comes to mind, but I will say that there are, I think, some folklore that are based on, you know, factual occurrences. And then there's others, like the groundhog, that uh, are more (laughs) for funsies. Um, And I think, (laughs) thankfully, most people realize that. Um, And I'm glad that he takes all the heat for a long winter (laughs) rather than me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, um, I, yeah, I, nothing comes to mind actually of of actual folklore that uh, would uh, you know play true scientifically. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, Rick, I think you figured out now that in the UP, snow and winter weather is just the way of life. Um, but sometimes it actually gets in the way of life. Um, so I suspect you've gotten your fair share of flack for closing the university a few times last winter. But tell us, you know, how do you determine how to close tech? So, Brenda, you're the first one to actually ask me that question, although many people have wondered, why did you close school two times last year? Well, so first of all, you know that public public safety is the primary attribute that we're looking at, but we actually do have a process that we follow. There's three categories of areas that would make us make that consideration. The first, of course, are natural disasters, which you had with the Father's Day flood. The second would be access to facilities through the snow conditions. So if we find that a blizzard is forecast, state of emergency is indicated, we won't be able to get our classrooms open such that would impact 700 students or more. That's a time that public safety would be making a recommendation. And then the third is cold. And so we do monitor that. And if we're noticing that projections are to be 30 below, zero wind chill or not, we'd also have public safety. Just so you know, the way it's set up is that there is a, whenever there's an issue, public safety's monitoring that, and we have a conference call at 4.30 in the morning, and our goal is to make the decision by 5.30 so the whole campus community can know. So it's really in these three categories, but all driven by safety and then access. And interestingly, in the last two years, all three of those categories you know, drove a closure decision. They did, they did. So, John, do you think the worst is over this winter, or should Rick be planning to close the university at some point this semester? I'd prefer not, John. Well, I can't comment on the closing side of things, but no, we got a lot of winter ahead of us. Um, We are in an interesting weather um, pattern for this winter so far in that we have not really experienced a whole lot of bitterly cold temperatures. We've had some mornings that were cold, but um, you know, even behind the snowstorms that we've had, we really haven't had that dump of Arctic air coming in um, from the polar regions or Siberia and throwing us into the deep freeze for three, four, five days. Um, and the main reason for that is just the way the jet stream has aligned itself this winter. And um, so we may very well continue that with an absence of bitter cold. Um, but as far as snows go, hmm, 
I would be very surprised if we don't have some doozies lined up. So, Rick, I'm, I'm curious about how the weather, how does the weather factor into student recruiting and student retention? If you talk to our recruiting office, they would say, bring it on. It's a great asset for our institution. You know, I've, I've often s- said and noticed since I've been here that we're uniquely influenced by the environment in which Michigan Tech exists, such that if you were to pick this institution up and put it in, pick another city in the state of Michigan, it would not be Michigan Tech. And so the DNA of the institution is shaped by its location and by its weather, and that's what makes us stand out, as John had mentioned, as John had mentioned earlier. So we would not want this weather to go away, and when he forecasts that we'll have more snow, that's something we'll probably be talking about on the recruiting trail this year as, as we bring more <laughs> students in. It's a great asset for defining who the institution actually is. Well, I know our alumni have a bit of a survivor mentality mm-hmm. when they graduate from here and they can proudly say that they made it through four or five winters, whatever that took. That's definitely a source of pride. And they figure if they can do that, they can do anything. Um, so, Rick, you know, do you find that the harsh winters bind the tech community and alumni together? Absolutely. And it binds the tech community to the community as a community as a whole. There's some sense of kind of a, a shared ethos throughout the tech community. And that doesn't necessarily mean folks that are just living here, but also when you visit folks in California and Texas, you know, and on the East Coast, as you said, that we've survived that winters and we've had that shared experience. And again, I think that's important for who we, you know, who we are as an institution. And we're able to talk to students about becoming part of that if they become tech students and tech graduates. So just, you know, we've been talking a lot about snow and about cold and everything else. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's your take on the UP weather the other three months of the year? Um, I think most people could give April away. <laughs> um, oh, you're talking the, the mud season. The mud months. Yeah, that, that's probably my least favorite. Oh. And if I'm lucky enough, someday I will go somewhere else for most of that month. Um, but... Uh, I think, you know, summers are beautiful. Once you sort of get past the main bug season in June, then our summers are, I think, as phenomenal as you're going to find because Lake Superior, the same thing that provides all the copious amounts of snow in the wintertime, provides us with natural air conditioning in the summertime. So, you know, we're not immune from heat waves, but um, while most other places can be sweltering, you know, we may be in the 70s and just enjoying it and having nice cool nights. And then the autumn, I, I think anybody that's been here in the autumn would speak for, you know, it speaks for itself. But the color shows, um, you know, I've been involved with the tourism industry or even just talking to people visiting and come across people that are, are from New England. And they say that our color show blows New England's out of the water. Can you explain to us the kind of what the phenomena is that causes this remarkable weather system that we have here in the Keweenaw. You mean as far as like uh, snows or just, I mean, what's the, the lake, what's the special the, factor that we have you know going what? for it's, us? It's Lake that. Superior. In what way? Um, yeah. It is so massive that um, it influences the weather as much as the weather influences it. Um, you know, in the wintertime, lake effect snows, um, and the fact that the Keweenaw juts out into the lake, you know, we're surrounded by the lake on three sides. So this, take for example, this past weekend's storm, um, we had started out with easterly winds, 
And we did have regular what we call system snow, just meaning from the low pressure and moisture imported into the area. But then that was enhanced by the lake. And that created or boosted snowfall totals. Uh, I saw a report in Kearsarge that from 7 a.m. Saturday to 7 a.m. Sunday, 17 inches of snow fell. And, um, you know, that was due to lake enhancement. And then the, the wind started backing around to the north and eventually northwest, but the Keweenaw was still in that flow and getting lake enhancement. Whereas places like, well, Marquette, the only time Marquette proper, the city of Marquette gets lake effect snow, really is when the winds are from the northeast. Otherwise, there's a lot of land in between them from the west or the northwest. Um, same thing kind of with Munising, only it's a, a northwesterly flow or sometimes a northerly flow. But if the wind's out of the east, they're out of luck. And um, so the, that is the reason why the Keweenaw is sits on top of the snow pile every, almost every single year. You know, if we're not number one, we're tied for number one. And, um, and then the same thing in the summertime. We're surrounded by the lake. So unless the winds are mostly from the south, it's traveling somewhat over the water, at least. And that water doesn't warm much above, you know, 45, 50 degrees in the middle of the lake. The shorelines can get warmer, um, but that cools it right down. Can I ask you what changes when the lake, with, with the amount of ice cover on the lake, like how does that impact what happens? Well, in the winter? that, yeah, that reduces everything I just talked about. Okay. It limits the amount of uh, lake effect we get. And it also, well, in the summertime, we don't have to worry about it freezing. But in the wintertime, when the ice starts to grow to an appreciable amount, and, you know, it takes actually quite a bit of ice to do that. In fact, a lot of times, You'll look at either a map generated by the Coast Guard or something that shows the extent of ice, or you might get a satellite picture that shows the extent of the ice, and yet we're still getting lake effect snow, so people start scratching their heads. Well, where is that coming from? It's because the ice isn't solid. It's more of an amalgam of ice chunks and water. So you're still getting enough heat and moisture to come off of that to produce lake effect. Now, it's not the same as having completely open water, but believe it or not, just having that little bit of water there is enough to generate, you know, lake effect snow to some degree, some okay. degree. So the trade-off is it gets really cold, so the lake freezes over and we don't get as much snow, or it stays warmer and we get more snow. Is, what, yeah. is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> for as much as I love this area, when the western half of the lake becomes solid ice, which is pretty rare, but solid ice, then I don't particularly like our weather you know if I if I wanted that I'd have moved to Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> thank you John we really appreciate you coming in thank you for tuning into tomorrow needs tech